everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of <laughs> Track Meet. This week, we're starting right off the bat. We're going to introduce our guest. It's Rayanna from Mount Olympus University. Hi, Rayanna. Hi. How are you? I am fabulous. How are you? I'm good. I'm in a closet. <laughs> Aren't we all? We are celebrating a particular event this week when this episode comes out. And we made an entire episode about it. It's true. That's because it's going to be your birthday, Rihanna. It's true. <laughs> I'm only on podcasts that are themed about me. I love it. <laughs> Just going to pigeonhole myself into that right now. Sorry, I'll like only it. be on if, if it's about me. Find the theme. So we, we normally wouldn't try to expose anyone's age, but because... <laughs> It is entirely important to the subject of what happened today. What is your date of birth? I was born on May 15th, 1992. Oh, which means the user selected uh, topic for this week was birthday of the guest. And so, James, we're going to be doing songs from 1992. 1992. Sounds good. I'm trying to think. 1992 feels like a weird gap year for music, right? Boy, it was. <laughs> I always say that the 90s started in like 93 or 94 yeah. for me. And so like it was the last of like the 80s. <laughs> I will say, I will say that 1992 was a great year for meme music cuz like mm. Sir Mix-a-Lot, Too Sexy for My Shirt, uh like <laughs> Yeah. Like a lot of great, great meme songs came out of that year, and so did I. We had grunge in 91, we had indie really pop off in about 93, 94, and we have this weird black hole of a year. (laughs) And then we were like, let's do an episode about it for a music podcast. Listen, this that's a black hole of a year is is where I want all my music episodes of podcasts to go. Well, I will say, us making that joke does not preclude us from having found some very good songs. I'm incredibly impressed with with all three contenders this week. All right, so our special category this week. I think the easiest way to do this, it's going to be the simplest special category we have, is that if you get closest to Rayanna's actual birthday... Yes. The closer you are, the more points you get. And that's for album or single. Like, Correct. Yeah. But you do have to pick a date. Correct. <laughs> I think we should do relative to each other. Okay. Yeah. And like who gets too. closest gets the most points and then and then three and then two. That works. All right. So I think I will go ahead and kick us off this week. Do it. With a song that I don't know, this is this is indie rock gold here. It is the gin blossoms with Hey Jealousy. album was released in August 4th, 1992. I thought I had a surefire winner here, except that I read things wrong because this was actually released as a single in 1989 first. Well, okay, but... (laughs) Off their first album. And this song has like a whole saga to it. Didn't they re-record it though? Yes, they did. Okay. For the new album, for New Miserable Experience. But more importantly is that the writer of this song is Doug Hopkins, the band's guitarist at the time. Mm-hmm. And Doug Hopkins would be fired from the band shortly thereafter <laughs> for his alcoholism. Yeah. He was constantly battling depression, reportedly was unable to stand under his own power during recording sessions. Oh, boy. And A&M, their record label, which they had signed with, basically said either he gets fired or we drop you and wound up having to sell half of his publishing royalties to the band and all of his mechanical royalties, which is the actual pressings of the record, 
to his replacement, Scott Johnson, which was a huge freaking deal because this album went multi-platinum as soon as the single came out. And so he actually wrote both Hey Jealousy and Found Out About You, their first two hit singles. This song, which already is dark enough in what it talks about, has this whole legendary story behind it that I had no idea was there. The podcast, The Great Albums, which I think I've brought up several times on this podcast before, did an episode about New Miserable Experience, and they talked about about this song and got into the sort of the nitty-gritty detail. So if you're interested in sort of more of the more of a of a of an album wide look at Doug Hopkins' contribution and the aftermath and everything about that. Uh, you can look, go listen to that uh, episode of the Great Albums podcast. Story being set aside, this is a pretty much classic of early '90s proto indie rock. Absolutely, I mean it's oof. This song and this was this was the breakthrough, right? Yes. Yeah, this is a classic. Ray and I think we're going to go ahead and put you next as our guest of honor. The song that I am doing is Friday I'm in Love by The Cure. So it was on their album Wish, which was released in 1992. Yeah, so it was the ninth album. The band is headed by Robert Smith. I don't think there really is much of a like crazy story. And it is like like you were saying earlier how the how 92 is kind of like the end of the 80s. Like mm-hmm. it very much fits in with the the 80s rock scene still. So <laughs> I feel like it's kind of like and I brought the cure of Friday I'm in love. So and it's just sort of like dropping a little like anvil, like that's mine. What else you got? Like I feel yeah. like it's a it's a <laughs> it's a pretty powerhouse song to to bring. When I when I found out that we were doing 1992, I thought, okay, I think that one of my very first favorite songs was from 1992. And uh, I turned out it turned out I was not only right, but I also it also came out like right around when Rihanna was born. So this song that I brought was a song that I listened to in my mom's Subaru Justy as we drove from Bellevue, Nebraska to Papillion, Nebraska for my taekwondo. And it is called Walking on Broken Glass. from her first solo album, Diva. The song went to number seven on the Billboard Alternative Songs chart, number 14 on the Hot 100, and it was number one in Canada. It's Annie Lennox. She was formerly of the Eurythmics in the 80s. It's actually really interesting because, Rana, you and I sort of brought 80s staples, I guess, like, you know, acts that were that were very popular in the 80s, and, and David's coming in with, with gin blossoms who are going to, like, <laughs> make... The ni- 90s sort of indie alternative a thing that could happen. Um, yeah. I'm going to make the 90s look like the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this song I'm going to get into in sort of the music, but I was thinking about it and I, I always, I think I, I tweeted about this back in the day or something, but without this song, I have absolutely no interest in Baroque pop, which means that the Vampire Weekend self-titled debut album means nothing to me. So without Annie Lennox, for me, there would be no Vampire Weekend. And uh, (laughs) this is one of my all-time favorite songs. So we're going to sit off with our first category. That would be music. See, I want to say it's the height of 90s jangle pop, but it's really kind of a beginning of sorts. I feel like they're taking the mantle of R.E.M., processing it through a very, very calm pop demeanor. 
as REM was switching to grunge all of a sudden. Right. I feel like these guys just put together a bar band in Tempe, Arizona and wrote a song in their garage, but polished it like crazy so that it sounds like a very simple pop hit. I think this song could be very, very dated, but unlike a lot of the other bands that came in their wake, this song still holds up in particular. There's something about it that's got a bass level structure momentum that doesn't feel like it ages as poorly. It doesn't feel like it's from the 90s per se. If you don't have a frame of reference for that, it just sounds like a heavy poppy rock song. I would agree with that. That could come out whenever. Yeah, I I actually was surprised that the other songs that I know from them were were from their next album. Like, I mean, besides "Found Out About You" and whatever, but like "Follow You Down" or "Till I Hear It From You," with, you know, which is like ninety five, ninety six. This sounds just right in there with with them. There's something at once generic, but at the same time timeless. And waffling about that because I don't think there's anything super special about what they're doing. I just think it works. I'm gonna give them a three. So I am going to out myself right now and say that I had not heard this song and I did not know the Gin Blossoms. Oh, that's I awesome. I love it. That's, that's really, really, really cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, no, so, so it was fun listening to the song. And like the moment it started, I was like, oh, I should know this song because I am like <laughs> a huge alt-rock, like modern alt-rock person. And so like this song was exactly up my alley. And I was like... I was like, why do I not know this? <laughs> That's um, so exciting. Yeah, it was really cool. And I really I, I really liked it. And I think that a big part of that was the music. Because like you said, it really didn't feel like this, like, I was going to say old song, but this is based on my birthday. So we're not going to say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, felt, it felt very modern. Because, you know, sometimes you're like, I'm going to go back and listen to the songs that inspire these songs I like. And then you listen to them and you're like, oh, no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, this one was definitely I thought like I thought it was really good and it was really like up my alley. So I I would give it a three out of four. Three out of four. I love this song. It's (laughs) one of my top three Jim Blossom songs. Number one, of course, being Follow You Down. This song is awesome. And it's immediately like. It just barrels for like I decided because these were all '90s songs that I would watch the music videos of all three of them before we recorded, and that was a great idea. Yeah, this song, the music video for it, starts with like an effect where they clearly just like walked a handheld camera and then sped up the tape, so it like it feels like you're barreling down the road and like you're just barely avoiding like a car and like you're running down this like you know foresty sidewalk whatever and that feels very much with what the music is doing. I think that the guitars all sound really cool and the and like. Everything sounds, like, really, really cool and of its time, but also, like, timeless. What pushes this up to a four for me is, one, I love it, and that's a crucial criteria. Two, the guitar solo is wicked awesome. It starts as sort of like a lazy guitar solo, and then it's like, it kicks into overdrive, and it's like another guitar solo, like, right on top of it, which I think is really, really cool and fun. For me, I gave this a four out of four all right i'll take it all right let's talk about the music for friday i'm in love my favorite part of friday i'm in love is that first little the the very beginning that like little hook because it's so like it's exactly the smiths and it's like (laughs) it's so Mm, like the 80s british like rock of its time and i love that I worked at a school for a while and one of my jobs was I was they were digitizing old files. So I literally spent 
three weeks just scanning these old dusty files and like the whole mm. time I was listening to the Smiths and like <laughs> yeah uh, mm. and like so this uh, that this song like when I first heard it I was like oh I'm I'm back in that like dusty but comfortable kind of space I will say that it doesn't change much throughout mm. it's not a yeah. particularly inspired tune. Like, you know, once you once you get into the verses, you're you're pretty much there to stay. And like the bridge, also not too much of a diversion. So it's it's a little like repetitive. Like once you get halfway through the song, you're like, oh, I, I might have heard all this song has. <laughs> so I'm going to give it a 2.5 out of four just because I really like that intro. <laughs> OK. OK. I'm going to give this song a four. Oh, wow. It's the fucking cure I put if they <laughs> if they put out a polka album I would be nearly ready to give them a 4 cuz they're just so amazing. <laughs> I do know the story behind this song a bit. Basically Robert Smith decided he wanted to challenge himself and write just a normal pop song <laughs> because all their stuff is so dark and brooding. Yeah. <laughs> And so they had this hook from the very beginning and they yeah. just built off that hook. But the layers of literally swirling guitars that are at the same time clean toned, which is so weird. Nothing about this song really should work. <laughs> and yet it does so well because the second it comes on the radio, you're already in the jam. Yeah. And all the weirdness they throw in there. I mean, if you listen to the outro of that song, there's some Oh my god, that shit that outro is very odd. <laughs> but the thing is, I don't like it. Like when he starts going like, "What? Like, what is happening? This is not." But there's some there's something to me that's so joyful about <laughs> this band that knows that they're really just faking it but they're doing <laughs> such a good job of it it's when the goth kid in your class is smiling and you're like wait what what's going I know. why what is happening <laughs> <laughs> i just i admire the the level of talent they're throwing at this song and so i'm giving it a four i gave it a 3.5 um because it's classic and like we said it's it's funny jim blossoms and the cure if you're singing it to yourself they sort of sound the exact same like, they both sort of come tumbling in. It's the same barreling forward, like, we're already doing this. This is, we're already in the middle of the song, just so catch up. I love, uh, I love the whole, I love how happy it is because, again, like we were saying, it's sort of like, it's funny to be like the happiest song on, on today's episode is the Cure song, which is really funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just an upbeat jam. The music of this is great, three and a half. <laughs> If I may talk about Annie Lennox's music for a moment. You may not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Judges? Ding. Okay, I'm going to. Um, okay. <laughs> I just like to be contrary. I like it. I like it. Or I don't. It's uh, The music of this is very cool. It's very, like, classical or, like, Baroque. And I'm dealing with that, like, nostalgia thing of, like, my ears were very, very young when I first heard this, so they're very accustomed to it, and they like it a lot. The intro with like the piano and the violins and stuff is the bomb. And like if you had just this track, no vocals, which is sort of what I'm coming to realize is how I do the music section of this show, it would rule and it would be an awesome instrumental and people would still dance to it and all that stuff. So I give it a four. I find it interesting. It is musically, it is really complex because at its core, it's a... It's a soul R&B song. Yeah. If you're just straight listening to how she's singing it. And then the piano <laughs> does have this Baroque feel, but it also has this like samba feel to it as uh -huh. well. There's a lot of elements going in. There's something about it that I don't know if it overdoes it or it just mutes everything. It might be the synths that are making it feel a little dated. <laughs> listening, listening to the video, it was the first time I heard the wow, wow. I was like, what yeah. is that? I've never heard that before in my life. <laughs> what a time. It's hard to knock the music of the song for that. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't think it falls in that category. I like how you bring up the idea of Baroque. 
I'm going to go with the three and a half. I originally had a three. I'm going to bump it up just a little bit because I recognize the clear musicality and the structure there. And I think my problems with the song aren't under music. Okay. Scott Lipson, we're coming for you. (laughs) This is a tough one for me because I know Annie Lennox is amazing. And I know (laughs) the song is good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited for what you're about to say. (laughs) But you don't like it. And I don't like it. <laughs> I, I just, I get it's good, but man. The, da, 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 I'm like, oh my God, this could not be like <laughs> more dated. And I know it's heresy and I know like, like I know I should be burned, but man, I just don't care for it. Fair. I have to think of a numerical score now because I was going back and forth for me personally as a human being. Um, I'm going to say a 1.5 out of 4. I'm sorry. (laughs) 1.5. This is just what my heart says. You are not wrong. No one is wrong on this show. Except for people who think the people are wrong. They're wrong. I'm confused. Yeah. On to lyrics. Starting off with Hey Jealousy. So I'm a sucker for a story. What's really interesting about the lyrics of this song is that it's a story of a sad sack by a sad sack. (laughs) And alcohol is so extremely prominent in the lyrics of this song. I mean, the fact that it kicks off, I'm too drunk to drive. I can't go home. I need to come in and crash at your place, even though you've already broken up with me because I'm a terrible human being. I have to call out the band And I understand the reason they made this decision, but the first line of the second verse, I believe, is... You can trust me not to think. And it originally was, you can trust me not to drink. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, that should be the lyric of the song. It's so perfect. For me, the, the, the end tagline of, if I hadn't blown the whole thing years ago, I might not be alone, and how that flows with the music right into... The chorus, which is so good. What I love about the song is that it's not super poetic. It's not full of a lot of metaphor, but the way the lyrics flow with the music and they're timed with the rhythm works so well and so plainly about how rough this guy's life is. I'm going to go three and a half because I just, I really like, they don't. They don't bludgeon you with the story, but they really paint the picture so well. It's just not, you know, anything special. And I'm I'm going to dock that half a point for making that other rhyme that would work really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, this is like quintessential Rihanna music. I mean, I was an emo kid in my high school days and this very much. Yay. <laughs> this had very much whiffs of that. My favorite line in the song is, if you don't expect too much from me, you might not be let down. Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah. that's, oh, man, that is, like, exactly this kind of music, and I love yeah. it so much. I have a love of this music that is, like, captures these feelings of, like, anxiety or, you know, not knowing where something is going or being in the middle of something that could have been different. You know, there's there's something about that. There's a really, like raw honesty that is just my wheelhouse (laughs) like like there's so many elements in this that like looking at it I'm like oh I can see how this influenced the like modern music that I like now because there's a lot in common with it I just really like it so I'm gonna actually give it a four out of four right on okay my favorite line is because all I really wants to be with you and feel like I matter too the Jim Blossoms, I feel like maybe David, you're right. They aren't, they aren't big on like bringing the poetry. But for me, if you get a good rhyme, there's nothing, there's nothing that can beat. I really like how you're talking about like how it flows straight into like the chorus. I like to think of that as in the story. He's like, so here's, here's why you should let me stay. And before you can say no, I'm going to go right into the next point, not even let, letting the person say no because he knows they'll say no. I really like songs that I'm like, boy, if this isn't autobiographical, this guy is a genius. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you'd capture this feeling if you weren't feeling it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a four as well. 
All right, let's jump on to Friday. I'm in love. I started specifically listening to the lyrics more for this podcast because, like, I was like, I like this song. We'll do this song. And then I started paying more attention to the the lyrics themselves, and there are parts of it that I like and parts I do not like as much. Like, I really, I really like the Friday I'm in love concept. Like, does it make a whole lot of sense? No, but <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's it's the like it's pop music. You know, it's that. They were they were working to capture that feeling of like pop music, and I think just the phrase "Friday I'm in love" like clicks in there. I'm not so big on their rhyming words, which I get is also done on purpose, but they use a lot of of weak rhymes. <laughs> it's just like if you're if you're gonna you're making this song this like pop esque song. You can make it a little, like, <laughs> put a little bit more of yourself in there. Just like, because it's just like, you know, rhyming blue and you and two. And I really just do love the the Friday I'm in love concept. So I'm going to give it a three out of four. So they wrote the lyrics in like five minutes. Robert Smith <laughs> literally just went down, scribbled some shit on paper and went and recorded it. I forgot my favorite thing in the song is the lines, it's such a gorgeous sight to see you eat in the middle of the night. I'm like, that's the only way I've ever wanted to be described in my life. (laughs) I only ever want someone to talk about how great it is that I eat at midnight, because I do. (laughs) Yeah, you know, at first I was wonky about that, but the more I think about it, I'm like, that's so adorable. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you're so familiar with the person that was like, I see you getting a midnight snack, and I'm just like, oh, I love you. However, dressed up to the eyes, uh-huh. shoes and your spirits rise, yeah. sleek as a shriek spinning round and round. I don't it's know shriek. what he's talking about. Yes, shriek. Is it weird? I know that those lyrics are weird, but like I listen to so many songs that go similarly <laughs> off the rails that it really doesn't bother me that much. Like looking fine. at them on paper, I'm like, mm. <laughs> I think the metaphor, because they're going for vibe so much, they're mixing the metaphors and not clearly delineating. And it really just makes me go, okay, Robert, I know this is mostly kind of a joke for you, but if you just (laughs) sat down for about, I don't know, an hour longer and taken a minute and looked at it, you actually could have put together like a perfect pop song here. That, that was kind of my thought too. That was why I had a problem with the rhyming words because I was like, okay, but if you did it like just took a couple more minutes, not even an hour, just give me like 15, 30 more solid minutes. You could have something like really unique, but like the the blue to you part heart, like, I don't know. <laughs> Mrs. Smith, your son shows great potential, but if he could just put in just a little more effort, that'd be yeah. just a little. <laughs> Even though he's shown us nothing but insane effort for the past, I don't know, 15 right, years. Right, right. No rest for the wicked. Sorry, Robert. <laughs> I, I think he's intentionally doing it as a lark. Yeah. Mm. But I also sit there going, but it could be so good. It's two and a half for me. For me, sometimes I have revelations about the lyrics while we're recording, and the one I just had was that it 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 could be like a like a depression thing, which would make sense with the cure, where it's like <laughs> I, I vacillate wildly between being completely in love with you and then the day before I don't even give a crap about you. Like it's sort of like the 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 happiness of the song is sort of like today I'm feeling great. It's Friday, so I'm in love. But if you'd asked me to write this song yesterday on Thursday, it would have been somewhat different. Please see our other albums. I think that's a good a good read on it. Like, you know, I don't care if Monday's blue. I think that the structure is really cool, and it's sort of old school. Like, was it Friday on My Mind? Is that the song? Oh, the Easy Beats. Yeah. That's such a great song. Monday morning feels so bad. Everybody seems to nag me Coming Tuesday, I feel better Even my old man looks good When they just don't go
it's sort of like that in that it mentions days of the week. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I like that it's like, I bet he's going to talk about Wednesday next because he just talked about Tuesday. Like, I like that kind of thing where it's like a formula for like where, where you're going with things. I gave it a three and a half because I like what I'm listening to. But like, I will absolutely say that, you know, the lyrics themselves, like, if you go and look them up, it's like, oh, really? Huh. That's, I always got such a better impression of what he was saying than than that. Okay. <laughs> so, I earlier today, when I listened to it for my penultimate listen through, I was going to dock this song because I didn't like because if you want to hurt me, you're doing really well, my dear, because it felt like it didn't make any sense why she was saying that i realized that it's because if you try to cut me down i know that you'll succeed and if you want to hurt me there's nothing left to fear because if you want to hurt me you're doing really well my dear is a perfectly fine rhyme a lot of times i get hung up on hooks like with fried am and love and like with walking on walking on broken glass and the lyrics like the verses of this song as a child and young man I was always sort of like, uh-huh, yep, and so forth and so on. Let's get back into that walking on, walking on broken glass. <laughs> and it feels just like here she's going to say it. As a mature, grown man now, I feel a little bit of that. But knowing that she was basically coming from an R&B place, so she was sort of doing like a Smokey Robinson sort of deal, I think she has a lot of really cool, um, you know, like uh, the sun's still shining in a big blue sky, but it don't mean nothing to me. I'll let the rain come down, let the wind blow through me. I'm living in an empty room with all the windows smashed, and I've got l- so little left to lose that it feels just like I'm walking on broken glass. I think it's a cool rhyme that really works. I like the lyrics of this song. I think that actually examining them are even better than I realized they were when I was singing them along for 20-something years of my life. I'm going to give it a three and a half. I don't have a lot to latch on to with these lyrics. I get the point that's being made. I think the music may be throwing me off a lot because this is a moody breakup song. Right. I mean, this is about somebody who's having their heart broken. And that's not uncommon to have a poppy song, but there's something about the relentlessness of the hook and the poppiness (laughs) that can obscure some of the lyrics. And then when I read them, I go, it's clearly polished, good song lyrics right but there's nothing about it that really catches me okay yeah that makes sense there's no one line other than the chorus that really (laughs) just makes a huge impression i i want to notch it up a little bit because i do recognize that there there is solid well thought out rhymes and images in there but because there's only one real lasting image coming from it and it feels like it's getting obscured it's it's like they're way too understated for the song that we're doing. I'm going to go two and a half. So I actually like the lyrics more than I like the music. <laughs> and it was it's kind of funny because, I mean, of course I've heard the song like my entire life. But like, I never thought about it a lot. And it didn't occur to me that it was a sad song until <laughs> I started yeah. like listening, like really like diving into the lyrics i'm like wait a minute walking on broken glass is a painful thing (laughs) it's a bad thing i don't know like it just never clicked in my head but like i do think that the a lot of the lyrics like they're very well written and uh, like i love i'm in an empty room with all the windows smashed that's such a good picture so i'm gonna give it a 3.5 before we get into production i do have some bios about the producers of these First of all, I'm going to start with, with Friday I'm in Love because David M. Allen, you need to look at this man's Wikipedia picture. Um, <laughs> it is the most badass, like, swashbuckling debonair. He is like, he has hair that is, I, I hope that when I'm his age, I will have hair like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like a musketeer. He looks like a Gandalf Jeff Bridges. <laughs> I would also like to see that. I almost just said, all right, all right, all right. But that's not it. <laughs> that's that's no not it at wrong. all. Um, <laughs> nope. David M. Allen is a producer from England. He did five Cure albums, culminating in Wish. Uh, he did The Head on the Door, which I am convinced is my favorite Cure album because it's poppy as hell. So I think he's basically like a synth dude. Have you listened to Disintegration all the way through? Fair. Fair point. Ooh. Fair point. 
Excellent point. Disintegration is, yeah, he did that one. He did The Top, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Disintegration, and Wish. He also did, David, Manscape by Wire. Nice. In their very synth phase. Yeah, he did Mountain by the Damned. He did a Psychedelic Furs album. So he's that guy. John Hampton, who did Jim Blossoms, his only production credit on Notable Credits is New Miserable Experience by the Jim Blossoms. But he was the engineer on Pleased to Meet Me by The Replacements and the mix engineer on Broken Boy Soldiers by the Tours, and he was also the mix engineer on Get Behind Me Satan by the White Stripes. He appears to be more of an engineer than a producer itself, and I'm going to out myself as not really knowing what that means, per se. We've talked about before, the, the producer is akin to a theatrical director. Okay. An engineer is purely focused on the sound. Okay. They're purely focused on the mix on the board and how it works. The producer is there for the overall sound and vibe, but also offering, we need to add this, or we need to look at this instrument, or can we play this a different way? They're there to kind of take the band and go, maybe we should try this and it'll work better for the song. Moving swiftly on to the guy that produced Annie Lennox, his name is Steven Lipson. He did so much. Like... It's it's ebbs and flows here with this information about the producers. He did he did the Diva album, of course. He did a, a Medusa, uh, another Annie Lennox album. But the thing I want to highlight is most related to my life. He won a Grammy for Best Pop Contemporary Gospel Album for the second Jars of Clay album, Much Afraid, which I oh, wow. uh, hold very dear to my heart. But then he moved on in 2012. He produced the the scores for three superhero sequel movies. He produced the the score for The Dark Knight Rises, Superman, Man of Steel, and The Amazing Spider-Man 2. So all, huh. all you fans of those huge movies <laughs> know that he produced those soundtracks. Well, he produced it, so there we go. Um, yeah, I mean, like it looks like he's he's done just a whole bunch of stuff. Those are the producers. Now let's get into production. Let's start off with Hey Jealousy. I'm going to be real quick here. There's nothing super special about the production on this. Although the note about being an engineer for the replacements really rings true here. <laughs> yeah. Because the gin blossoms are like a very chill, poppy version of the replacements. It sounds like an early to mid 90s rock pop tune. I'm just going to give it a three. I think it's good. I don't think it's anything special. Production for me for Jim Blossoms, my basis is, does it sound like how they wanted it to sound? Are there things that I'm like, they could have turned that down, they could have turned that up? And the answer for me is no. I think, I mean, I think it sounds perfect. I think it sounds, I'm going to give it a four. I think the timelessness of it goes into, as we're going to talk about, I'm sure when we get to Annie Lennox, the production of this is what makes this sound timeless. So I'm going to give it a four. So my thought is for the song and like, you know, I said the music is beautiful. I think that the lyrics are really nice. I think the production is a little clean. Like you were saying earlier, David, you were, you were saying that like, it sounds like a group that got together in a bar, but it sounds like super clean about it. I don't think it's necessary for it to sound that clean. With the content of the song being what it is, I don't know that the the cleanliness of the production really helps it. I don't think it like ruins it, but like I have the same feeling when I go to see like musicals and, you know, people focus on being pretty, but the song itself isn't pretty or like it's kind of like a gritty moment. It's like Drop being pretty for two seconds and right. like kind of get in there, get in the dirt of it. I'm going to give production 2.5. On to Friday, I'm in love. So I think that with everything, you know, because we've talked about how the lyrics are okay. <laughs> you know, the music is can be a little repetitive, but like the fact is like at the end of the day, this is like a really good song. Like <laughs> I love the the overall like song of it and i think I've, I've been a little nitpicky with like some of the details but like it sounds good at the end of the day and yeah. it sounds like i think it's supposed to sound and so i'm giving it a four same there is so much going on in this song listening to the stings of the song and how the guitars are going like that little guitar solo that countrifies as it raises up in the middle <laughs> or you know the weird whammy at the end of the song <laughs> yeah on its own, it's just so bizarre. It has no place in a pop song. And yet, they recorded 
clearly tracks on tracks on tracks on tracks and then they put it all together and it works perfectly everything got mixed the exact right way the Mm -hmm. fact that there's a constant hum from the bass gives it (laughs) that cure ominousness without overpowering the the peppiness of the song it also drives the song forward which it needs to to be good I think it's one of the best produced pure pop songs ever, especially because of how different a pop song it is. Mm. So I go for a four all day. So we talked about how the early 90s were sort of the late 80s in reality. And like this song, this could have been a big mess. And it could have been like a just an like an 80s novelty like yikes. This is something else that happened in 1992 when The Cure were past their prime, etc., etc. But instead, it's a classic. I dare you to not play the first, you know, two seconds of this song. Everyone is going to get up. It's, it's, it's such a great song. I can't think of any reason not to give it a four. So I'm going to give it a four. Woo! All right. On to Walking on Broken Glass. I'm going to try and end of eight mile this and try and get to everyone's complaints before they do. <laughs> I will say that this pick is definitely a, I picked it because it reminds me of a time in my life. I think that this song is very, it maybe has a very dated sound to it. And it's just that my feelings about that sound are very positive. That being said, I feel like the Rolling Stone review of this was like, and they got Scott Lipson in here to produce everything on Overdrive. And I was like, I think they're saying that as a good thing, but boy, it doesn't sound like a good thing from where <laughs> I'm sitting right now. So I think that maybe he kind of put his finger on the scale a little bit of like what he did with the production. I would say that I will give this a, a three for production because I love how it sounds, even though I can absolutely recognize how how it sounds is very dated to perhaps people that that haven't grown up listening to it like I have. Yeah, and that's immediately where I come to with it on that opposite side. One, it is it is dated, but it's not even so much the dated part of it that bugs me because I can get past that on a lot of songs. For me, what really troubles me is how overproduced it is. Yeah. There is so much stuff layered on top of this song And it's why I didn't dock it in music, because fundamentally the musical structure of this is good. But with the orchestration and the synths and the other instruments all being piled on top and the piano, all of a sudden we've lost the thread of what the song's about. We talked about how you miss the point of how good those lyrics are. And I don't think it's because of the music. I think it's because of the production. I don't want to dock it too much because it is big and it is bold and it makes interesting choices. I kept coming back to this going, it's a breakup song. I want a little more grit. Yeah. And what I really want to hear is Annie Lennox doing a solo piano version of this song. Mm. That's what I want to hear. I'm going to go a two for production on this one. Okay. I just am thinking so much about the synth. It's hard to think about. Anything else? Wow! Wow! (laughs) Wow! It's just so weirdly there. (laughs) Um, and like we've established, it's not particularly the sound for me. But like, also, I I get the feeling like it is very of its time, and I don't particularly get the feeling they were trying to not be of the time. It's dated, but it doesn't bother me quite so much. I'm going to give it a two. All right. Re-listenability. Oof. Let's start off with Hey Jealousy. I will dock it just a tiny half a point here because it does get a bit samey if you listen to it over and over again, but it kicks off so hard and it just keeps (laughs) moving the entire time. I think it's only like three and a half minutes maybe. It's not a long song, so it stays right in that radio moment where your your attention span doesn't fade away from it. I don't think it's a perfect re-listen, but every time it comes on, I want to turn the radio up. Yeah. And I always admire it because there are so many songs that came out around then that are really like, oh, I don't want to listen to this. But this is one of those songs that every time I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a jam. I love it. So I'm going to go three and a half. Yeah, when I, like, like I said, 
this was like the first time I'd listened to this song. So I got a, a pretty pure like re-listenability thing because, yeah, because I hadn't heard it. So I was like, how many times do I want to listen to it? And the answer was uh, <laughs> quite a bit. It is very much like a mood song. So I think if I were in a part of my life where I was sadder, like, <laughs> the number would be four. But I'm doing okay right now. So Yay! the number I landed on was a three. I like sad songs. And I only listen to really, I, if I'm sad, I'm not listening to music at all. So I have to get reach a, po- a place where I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling stoked about life. Let's listen to this guy's breakdown because of alcoholism. Woo! <laughs> I'm going to sort of show my hand here. This three-song playlist is a is a, a straight jam for me. Like, I was listening to this. I was like, yep, roll it again. Roll that again. Love all three of these songs. It's a four for me. I, I, I would listen to this song over and over and over again, and I did. So, <laughs> All right. Friday, I'm in love. I mean, I, I give this song a four because it's short. It's not a very long song. Like, it's upbeat it goes by fast so when it's over you're like i can do that again and so (laughs) you know and it's like it's pop music like it's fun it like it's fun to listen to and makes me happy so i'm i'm gonna give it a four because i listened to it a lot and i didn't have to (laughs) (laughs) we don't have to deliberate do we james it's a four for me i I already wrote down a four several minutes ago for myself so (laughs) This is a giant sugar pill that the second yeah. you take yeah. it, you need it about eight more times. And when you finally do walk away from it, you're like, yeah, but I'm listening to that again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a four. Hardcore. That song is just so good. For any Lennox, I will say that in my mind as of right now, like when I add the songs to the Spotify playlist for our show, I will be adding them, Gin Blossom's Cure, Annie Lennox, because... Somehow the cure is the exact midpoint between the gin blossoms and Annie Lennox, and I wouldn't have been able to tell you that math before today. <laughs> but uh, I give it a four. Annie Lennox. I mean, like I said, this is a seminal pop song from my life. So, like, yeah, I'll listen to it over and over again. I'm gonna go with two. I don't go to the song, and in fact, when this song comes on the radio, I usually <laughs> flip the station. <laughs> that's not to say that i don't recognize the goodness of it it really is middling for me it's not that it's bad it's that it's just right down the middle and i go this is not something that really just piques my interest that i need to listen to it i'm gonna go straight down the middle with that and go with two hi james (laughs) i want you to know that we're great friends i'm gonna just start drawing the line now but you let me know if there needs to be any curves on that line So my gauge for re-listenability was like <laughs> how many times, because I am somebody who if I find a song I like, I will put that on repeat and we'll just call it a day. Like I'm listening to this 12 times in a row. It's fine. I had like, I put the three songs like in a playlist so I could listen to them. And I listened to this song once and I went, all right. All <laughs> and right. I moved right along. <laughs> <laughs> and I did a re-listen today, and I listened to the song once, and I was like, all right, I think we got it. <laughs> so it's kind of like you said, like, there's, there's a countdown to the, the walking on broken glass. Yeah. But once that gets stuck in your head, you can listen to it whenever you want. Just access it right there. <laughs> that's true. That's else. true. <laughs> so uh i'm afraid i have to give this a one for me personally all right cool 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 all right finally in the quickest special category <laughs> yes i like this so one. if i'm going by dates here and james back me up friday i'm in love would take our winning place because this came out may 11th 1992 four days four yeah. days so that's a that's a big four for that one. And then I have April 6th for Diva. Yep. Came out on April 6th. Hey, Jealousy did not come out till August 4th, <laughs> 1992, right. because I read the damn thing wrong, and it came out May 13th, 1989 <laughs> uh, on Justed. You almost had us. I nearly tried to pivot today. I still wouldn't have gotten any points for it. Well, but and it, the, the single from New Miserable Experience came out in June of 1993. So. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it's all right, though. It's all right. 
I stand by it. This is still a great jam. Well, I have the tallies, and let me just do a real quick comparison. When the 90 seconds or less episode, I lost by 11 and a half points. This time, I lost by 12 and a half points, so that's cool. <laughs> that's so I, I, came in. I came in with a club and smashed everything <laughs> you've ever loved. <laughs> I got a 35.5. David, you came in at 43 and a half, and Rihanna cleaned up with a, a nice 47 on uh, oh, wow. Cures. Friday, I'm in love. The winner for this episode. It's such a great song. It's, it's a great <laughs> totally song. deserves the win here. All right. Well, as we wrap up, Rayanna, where can people find you on the wonderful wide world of the internet? I can be found on the World Wide Web on Twitter. My handle is Rayanna Larson. It'll be easier to look at how my name is spelled in the notes than for me to spell it for you. <laughs> I also run a podcast called Mount Olympus University. Heck yeah, Yay. she does. <laughs> Which can be found on Twitter at MT Olympus U and can be found on all podcatchers under Mount Olympus University. And it's an audio fiction about a normal human who goes to a school meant for gods and figures of mythology and lore. Best audio fiction podcast out there. <laughs> James is on it. David hasn't been on it yet, but James is on it, so... I'm not biased. It's it's like that even before. All you James heads or whatever your fans are called. <laughs> don't call them James heads. <laughs> MOU is legit. One of the best indie audio dramas out there, and if you're For not sure. listening to it, you really owe it to yourself to give it a listen. Well, thanks, really guys. Do. We're For both sure. huge fans. Of course, you can find us at TrackMeetCast on Twitter. You can find our Facebook group, TrackMeet Podcast. You can email us at TrackMeetCast at gmail.com. And you can find me, David, at BigMackinPod. And all you James heads out there can find me at Unabashed James. But you already knew that. <laughs> Those James heads. Hey, Rihanna. Yeah. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you so much. Happy birthday. And until next time, hashtag song fight.